Hey there, I'm Becca, just another therapist making a podcast about mental health. I figured that I would tell some stories, share some wisdom, and figure out some of my own stuff along the way. After all, those who can't do, become therapists. Welcome to Becca Stories. Welcome back. It is now time for episode two. Last week was all about what Becca Stories would... I guess I try to figure out every week that I've been working on this website because I've been working on it for a while. I tried to come up with some sense and meaning and purpose, but sometimes it just wasn't making sense. And this week, as I was writing out what I was going to say, things just kind of ebbed and flowed. So I want to start out with a story that was more of a memory um, from one of my very first traumas. So um, to start out this episode, I think it's kind of important that I tell you just a little bit of backstory, a little history about me. Um, For those of you that have nothing that you know nothing about me, I was born in New York. No, not the city, but this little town called Buffalo. Well, okay, that's not a little town. So let's go a little bit smaller to this even smaller town called Swarmsville. I don't get to say much about being in New York because I was really only there for the first year of my life. The most I get to say is I was born in New York. I get to watch little memories from home videos, but besides that, Buffalo really only exists in the home videos and the visits that I had to go see my grandparents. I called it home when I was younger, but in all reality, home for me was in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. That's where I was raised. So if you want to talk about a small town... We'll talk about Arkadelphia for just a second. If you've never been to Arkadelphia, it really is a hit or miss kind of town. When people don't know where it is, I usually tell them, hey, uh, do you know where Little Rock is? And they're like, oh yeah, I know where that is. And I'm like, okay, do you know where Texarkana is? And then they say yes, and I'm like, Arkadelphia is an hour away from Little Rock and an hour away from Texarkana. Right smack in the middle. Oh, okay. No one knows really where Arkadelphia is unless you plan on going to Arkadelphia. Really, when I was younger, it used to have a lot of great features, and looking back at it, maybe... It used to have a lot of great features because I was young and everything just seemed big and maybe I got older and it really wasn't all that great. But as the years have gone by, shops closed, people moved on. I would always joke around with people and say, Arkadelphia was the home of the car wash and Walmart. Man, I remember when they built that car wash too. It's pretty fantastic. Used to hang out there. Has a big pothole now, but, you know, minor details. Really, there was a lot more, but, you know, you get the point. 
So you might be wondering, how did a family from Buffalo, New York get to Arkadelphia, Arkansas? So it's funny you ask such an odd question. I'm going to do the long story short only because I'm going to share the long story later, but it's basically just all my dad's fault. I say that in a lovingly way, of course, but my dad was an engineer, was not anymore, but he wanted a change of scenery and where else better to do that in a state that was 21 hours away from everyone that we knew. I often wondered what my life would have looked like if I stayed in New York. Would I have been happy? Would seasonal depression have been a problem? Probably yes, because it's gray and damp and snowy and gross for like 20 months out of the year. But, you know, would I have missed out on all the marvelous trauma that I went through? I don't know. Guess I'll never know. But... One person always tends to wonder. What I do know is that growing up without my grandparents was very, very hard, especially living in Arkansas. In Arkansas, grandparents were everywhere. They lived next door and family was among you 24-7. For us, it was just my mom, dad, and sister. I felt like I worked overtime to fix that. I sought out people to be my, uh, let's call them adopted grandparents. And neighbors, church members, random people, I just wanted family. I didn't get to talk much with my grandparents. My grandma and grandpa Rosenthal, they didn't really have the best hearing, even more so towards the end of their life. Um, I usually had enough time on the phone to tell them that I loved them. My grandpa Phillips was very sick for most of my life and he passed away when I was in fifth grade. Uh, He didn't have the ability to hold a conversation over the phone. Um, I had a couple conversations with my grandma Phillips and, um, you know, she's still alive, but it's just... All the time, everyone's felt so far away, and I've felt that way with everyone. I've always had so few memories with everyone, and for the longest time, I've always just felt like the random relative in Arkansas that didn't belong. I wasn't like them. Actually, I am the only one in my family with a Southern accent, It holds up really well at the dinner table when we go to visit them, actually. Um, Sometimes it's cute. Sometimes it's tacky. (laughs) Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but apparently Arkansans aren't necessarily known for their intelligence. Surprise. It made things difficult when I tried to discuss important things in my life because, frankly, they just weren't smart enough. My accent and where I developed obtained my education disabled me. At least that's how I felt. I was constantly perceived. When I was younger, though, I I knew I was loved. Uh, Lord, my grandma and grandpa Rosenthal loved babies. My grandpa, um, 
he would give these hugs that would damn near break your ribs. Uh, they got me this stuffed horse that I obviously called Horsey. It went with me everywhere. And Horsey was worn out, too. I mean, by the time I was three, it was literally a rag with some stuffing. I know we've all had some sort of comfort toy like that in our life. And Horsey was mine. It always been mine. I'm starting with this story because I truly do believe that this was my first memory. When I started doing trauma therapy with EMDR, uh, it's called eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It brought me back to this feeling and moment. I was in a daycare program at our church called Children's Day Out. Uh, If you want to talk about fun, this was the place to be at. I have a lot of memories of this place. It was colorful. It was full of arts and crafts. It really gave me the ability to grow into myself. We had story time. We had the whole nine yards. I loved it. And one day I brought Horsey with me. Still to this day, I can't remember why I did this, but I, I left him there at the daycare I guess the janitor thought it was too old to put back in the toy bin, so they threw it out. When I realized that Horsey was missing and was nowhere to be found, you best believe that the whole world was coming to an end. I felt like I was completely out of control. My comfort was gone. My grandma Rosenthal did the only thing that she thought made sense at the time and took herself over to the toy store uh, because we actually had those in the 90s instead of just a Walmart and bought another one that she claimed was just like it. Well, it wasn't and I could tell. (laughs) She shipped it out to us pretty quickly, but the replacement didn't work and my crying went on Four days. I was in full on grief mode. At this point, my parents knew that there was only one thing left to do, and that was dumpster diving. It was the only possibility. It had to have been thrown away in the trash. Luckily, they found it, and now I am the proud owner of Horsey 1 and Horsey 2. Okay. Don't judge me. I never claim to be good at coming up with names for stuffed animals. I know, I know. I think this story, although it isn't one of the vivid ones that I told as a child, is important. It helps us to understand the development of a child without the words and stories that really they're able to tell and communicate themselves. It it reminds me of this, but there was this episode of Grey's Anatomy, and yes, I am one of those people that have watched Grey's Anatomy 10 million times, and it is my very clinical opinion that Grey's Anatomy does not help depression. You're welcome. Okay. But anyways, going back to the point, there was this episode of Grey's Anatomy where Christina had to watch over Miranda's baby. Spoiler alert. And Miranda's in surgery and Christina's in the gallery. 
She gets on the intercom to tell Miranda that the baby won't stop crying and she doesn't know what to do. So Miranda tells Christina to hold the baby up to the intercom so she can hear the cry. After thinking for like literally two seconds, Miranda says something along the lines of, oh, that's cry number two. She needs to be fed or something like that. This time in my life reminded me of that scene in Grey's. See, it's not just paying attention to a baby's cry. It's paying attention to a human in general. See, horsey for me was purely about comfort. I'm not sure if I carried it around because I knew it was from people that loved me or if it was because of the way that it felt. I mean, it's the texture of horsey itself was this like smooth, silky surface. So maybe that's what I liked about it or Maybe it was because it was from grandma and grandpa. I'm not sure. All I know is that it was important to me. Now it's important to me because of what my parents did to get it when I, when it was lost. So I keep horsey one and two safe in a waterproof tub now. I I don't sleep with them anymore. I mean, yes, I, I still sleep with stuffed animals and you can ask my fiance about how much he loves having Piglet and Eeyore take up the bed every single time he gets in there. Um, but, you know, Horsey 1 and Horsey 2, they come out every once in a while when I really miss my grandparents. And they give me that immediacy and comfort. So let's go to trauma for a second. If we look at trauma after a loss or an event as an adult, things are going to be very different. We can express ourselves differently and people are going to react to that differently. Okay. So one thing that I think people have yet to realize about survivors of trauma is the loss that comes with it. Before I go any further, I want to put out a trigger warning. I'm going to be referring to an example of domestic uh, domestic abuse. If you feel that this is going to hit a little too close to home, I'm going to encourage that you reach out to someone. You can do so by calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or texting the crisis text line at 741-741. In an abusive relationship, when we are hurt, we are losing our comfort daily. I'm going to say that one more time because I feel like people may not hear that. When we're in an abusive relationship, when we are hurt by that person that is hurting us, we are losing our comfort daily. The person that is hurting us is our comfort. People might say, well, why don't they leave? Or, well, they're continuing to put themselves in this position at this point. It is not that simple. We become attached to the things that comfort us. We get used to the good times. 
When we are loved and cared for, we convince ourselves that it makes up for all of the bad times and all of the bad things that happen in our lives. All of this stuff happens to people every single day. And we see it and we still judge people for how they cope with it. I like to call this losing myself. It sounds a lot different than what the world is telling us. So the world might say, shouldn't you be happy now that you're out of that relationship? He was so awful to you. Or she was so awful to you. Or they were so awful to you. Or that group of people treated you like shit. Well, no. Because for the longest time, I stayed. I stayed because I was unaware that I was strong enough to leave. My comfort was in being hurt over and over again. How should I be happy about that? But then again, no one wants to hear that. It's too damn hard to grasp. The natural thing for us to do is to look for comfort in anything else. If we go back to horsey, well, for me, it was crying. This is natural for a child. But as an adult, what is natural? What is okay? Honestly, I mean, I wish I had that answer. I really start to get upset about this because it seems like every time I went through a loss or a trauma, I did it 100% wrong. I wanted so bad to just get it out, but it seemed like I wasn't allowed to. And, you know, it led to self-harm and an eating disorder and acting out and pleasing people and looking for attachment in more unhealthy people. The list legitimately goes on and on. Unfortunately, I had no way to cope with this, so I just basked in it. I mean, if, if you don't get rid of the trauma, why not just live in it? Because it's comforting after a while to be in the trauma because you just get used to being hurt. I took the compliments after a while. I mean, especially when it came to like the eating disorder. People saw me losing weight and, you know, not now. Things are different now, but back then, people saw me losing weight and people saw what I was going through, but they didn't know what was happening on the NC side. People didn't know what I was going through. And um, it's, I, I acted like my life was perfect. Only a handful of people knew what was really happening to me. And I took the compliments of, oh my gosh, you must feel so happy now that you have all that weight off of you. I can't imagine the burden that all of that weight was on you. But what I was really hearing was, you're disabled and your life was worthless when you were overweight and you meant nothing to us when you were fat. <laughs> 
that was just a small example. And when I got assaulted, it was, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you notice that that was wrong, that things were about to get bad? Why, it, or what happened to you wasn't even as bad as what's happened to other people. So why can't you just move forward? I lost a part of myself and that hurt and I had to learn to cope. And the way that I coped wasn't healthy and I didn't allow people to see it. Man, coping as an adult sucks. What gives other people the right to tell us we don't have a right to cope in an outward way. I don't believe that there's a right way for us to cope. And I don't have a book that says, hey, do this and you'll feel better. If I did, I would be the best freaking therapist that has ever existed. I have general ideas, but I think we all have certain things that we know we need to do in order to thrive. What it really comes down to is whether or not we are ready to do it. And if we're ready to do it in the way that makes sense for us, in the process that makes sense for us. Because, you know, it's like I have friends who heal in ways that are never going to make sense for me. Like, I will never, I I have a friend who loves trauma-informed yoga great. I'm so glad that works for her. But I don't know if anyone ever wants to see Becca try and do yoga because it is literally the most terrifying thing in the whole entire universe. Becca doesn't bend. Becca like folds and falls. But if that's how you heal, fantastic. I'm happy for you. So going back to this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Damn took me a long time to get started on this. Um, kind of bought the domain for this website like a minute ago, like by a minute, I mean like a couple months ago. And I think that me deciding to have a new episode on Wednesdays is helpful because it's really keeping me accountable. I'm not sure that it's going to solve the world's problems, but I think that this is probably going to be a new coping skill for me as it's going to help me heal from some of my drama. Trauma takes a lot from us and can be extremely draining. Sometimes it's as easy as finding your horsey, but other times it can be as hard as just saying like, I have no idea who the hell I am because Trauma can make you lose your identity because you put your identity in the trauma. Most of the time, it will be hard. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't decided that you want to get help, I'm encouraging you to go look for a therapist. I'm not just saying that because I am a therapist and, you know, I believe that I have the best career on the planet or whatever. I'm saying that because at the end of the day, processing helps. I mean, even just saying and talking about horsey and talking about my grandparents and the the, everything and the love that I've had in my life from them 
is healing. As always, you're not alone. So take that power within you and and show out. You got this. So next week, I am going to share with you another story. And it is going to be about the gingerbread man. (laughs) So buckle in. We're not done yet. Becca Stories is in full motion. We are rolling. Cannot wait to share another story with you. See you next week. Congratulations. You have made it through a whole entire episode of the Becca stories without complaining about how long and drawn out my stories are. Now go on to all my forms of social media at the Becca stories and share and like all my content. Let's go ahead and make mental health less of a stigma. And let's talk about all the shit that's bothering us. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Awesome. I'll see you in the next episode.